Hello, everybody. What's going on? Casey Pizzaglia here, creator of Slacky Brown. Uh, this is the second part of our interview with Robert Maillet, a.k.a. Kurgan from the WWF. Uh, the first part was um, about his, his new movie, uh, his acting career, and a little bit of the uh, the wrestling stuff. And then the second part, which you're going to listen to now, is um, a lot more of the inside wrestling stuff. His being backstage for the Montreal Screwjob, uh, his relationship with Bret Hart, Owen Hart, uh, John Tenta. Uh, it's a lot of... A lot of cool stuff if you're a wrestling fan. So hope you enjoyed the first part, and here's the second. You said you uh, followed Taker's career from, uh, like, WCW in. Were you a fan? Did you always know you wanted to be a wrestler growing up? Uh, I wanted to be a wrestler ever since I was in my, my teens, for sure. Uh, I mean, I ended up maritime wrestling. I learned at Grand Prix Wrestling in maritime. I used to follow that. You know, on TV every weekend and local, like where they had local shows or, or area. I was a big fan of it. But then when I watched the WWF for the first time, when I, when they had cable, access to cable for the first time, watched this is where this is the 86, 87. This is the golden big age. time, yeah. Hogan, Macho Man, and Andre, of course, and all the big names of over the top, big crowds. I was like, oh, what, what is this? This is awesome, you know. This is cool. So I was, uh, I got, I got hooked. I really got hooked. Never thought of being a wrestler at first. Maybe I was. There's some people to say should be a wrestler because of my height. I was always twice the size of you know, people my age. I was always a tall guy. He said maybe you should be a wrestler. I never really considered it, you know. But when I saw the the, the, the WWF. Uh, but it really caught on, and maybe I got encouraged from my friends or my family, and that, that I, I convinced myself I could do it. You know, I could be a wrestler, I could be a pro wrestler, I could make a living out of it. And then it, it took a while because it's hard to find something in the Maritimes. You had to go outside, and yeah, area or Toronto, which I couldn't afford to, to do. You know, so it was trying to find the right wrestlers to, to poke at, <laughs> which I did. You know, I went to the promoter, local promoter, Neil Prey, the local promoter, which is just half hour away from me. Uh, went to went to his, to his door. He wasn't interested because maybe I was tall, but wasn't you know I didn't go to the gym. He wanted me to get some more more weight and whatever it was. Uh, I went to see another wrestler, a local wrestler, well known wrestler, uh, Stephen Big Stephen Pedophile. Uh, was seen at a hockey game. Uh, he was playing in my, my hometown. Uh, he was interested, but never didn't have time uh, for me at the time. But he remembered me in the, the later in the, in the summer of that year. Uh, that actually, it's, it's funny though. It's been thirty years this summer. Oh since wow! I, it's crazy though. Since I got since I got trained for, you know, I got the call for I was still interested in being trained as a wrestler because a lot of there's a few guys. They had to leave the territory during the summer, the summer season, and then they needed to, some guys to finish the ter- finish the season. This is towards the end of the summer, like August and September. So yeah, I said that's, that's my opportunity. Sign so me up. Sign me up. And I, it was a crash course in wrestling. It's not a you know, it's about a month of most of a month of how to take a bump, how to lock up, headlock, basic stuff. You know. 
And then it was me and two other guys. And they started before me. They were basically used as jobbers-ish, you know, for TV tapings. So I, I was afraid I was going to be the same way too. Uh, and then when, but of course, when they got me, I was, the way I looked, you know, I was the attraction. I was the giant. Yeah. So I was, yeah, basically I was whatever, the French giant, the Acadian giant, the Canadian giant, lumberjack, whatever it was. <laughs> I was the, the giant. So I, I was my first match in my hometown with my, my, with my trainer, my mentor. Uh, tag team against Bulldog Bob Brown and Timothy Flowers in front of my hometown crowd. Oh, that's it's awesome. Good wrecking, but exciting, you know. And that's how I got we on the road. And it's very, the whole experience in that center was fun. But that was my dream to be wrestling. And all of a sudden, you're, you're in, you know. Yeah. And then, but it took, a, it took a long time, of course, putting it up to death. I think Bret, Bret Hart came along at some point. And, uh, well, yeah, he did uh, five years later because it was doing all right wrestling in the summer, you know, and uh, but then this wrestling stopped in the Maritimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went overseas, wrestling overseas. Oh, wow. Went to Mexico for the first time. Yeah. Went to Japan from there. You know, some great opportunities, great places to go work. Uh, but then it kind of slowed down. My career kind of slowed down, and and then uh, when, but the, the whole thing with Brett come along five years later because it it, it, it it was because of Leo Burke, a no wrestler in America. It's him and his three brothers were one of the big stars in the Americas, and outside of Moncton. Uh, uh, and Leo Burke is a known did a lot of most of his career in Calgary. Stampede? Stampede wrestling. For Stampede, working for Stu. And he knew the family very well. Brett Leo knew Brett since Brett was a kid. You know? So Brett learned a lot from Leo. Leo is one of the best guys in, in pro wrestling. Uh, and, and Brett learned a lot from Leo. Big time. And when I got the call uh, from, I got a call from Leo. It's uh, a out of the blue, saying Brett wanted, wanted to meet you. He was, oh, wow. Because Leo was working, was assisting training guys, working through the, with the WWF. Okay. New, new talents at Brett's house. In, in the the dungeon. Not the dungeon. Not the dungeon? Not, oh, okay. At Brett's home. At Brett's oh, okay. House. He had a ring set up over his pool. A WWF ring. That's <laughs> awesome. An indoor pool in the middle of winter. And then, so when I got the call from Leo, because Leo, Leo told Brett about me, and Brett was interested. And then, uh, so when I got, so it was, this is the call I wanted. That's the call I wanted to have. And, uh, and so they flew me down. I remember they flew me down. I got a layover in Toronto. And that's where I met Carl DeMarco. Carl DeMarco was the WWF president uh, at the time. Uh, of, of of Canadian relations, uh, and so I met Carl, told, telling me he wanted to size me up or meet me to make sure I was, yeah. uh, how how my attitude was. I guess uh, he asked me, to, I remember to make sure you save your money and to tan, because <laughs> TV, you yeah, tan. you don't want to look uh, pasty, you know. <laughs> uh, well, 
works, right? So, oh, that's good advice. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> so I flew me a, and then I got there and then I flew to Calgary. And that's where I met Brett. I met Leo, I met Brett. Very exciting to meet Brett for the first time. Very cool. Very humble guy. Canadian very legend. Absolutely. Very humble, very quiet guy. Very cool, very cool cat. Right through his house. He had his, his own kind of a fun house type in his basement. He had all this, uh, this crazy, he has his gym, but also he has uh, toys and artifacts. He had a dummy. Remember he had a dummy we can turn on and the dummy would shake on or <laughs> <laughs> But it's very awesome, cool. And that's where we started to work out there. And I spent a month there. Uh, Basically learning the basic stuff, which I knew already. Yeah. You know, but just to make sure I have it, I have it. And then of that month, Brett thought I was ready for it. Ready, I was, I was ready. So, and then that was in December. And then back home for Christmas. And then right away after that, they flew me down to uh, to uh, Stanford, Connecticut. Now Stanford, that's where the headquarters. Headquarters, yeah. And I met, that's where I met the, uh, the, the, the whole point for me is to, to, to groom me up to be part of the Truth Commission, right? So that's where I met my, my future partners at a hotel. I met Robin Smith, who plays the Commandant, and, and there's Barry and, uh, and, uh, and Mike Halleck. Uh, met them, this was cool. Uh, started training at the, the, the WWF facilities at the studio. Uh, with the ring set up to make sure how to work it together as a team. And that's where I met Vince McMahon for the first time. You know, I remember he walking in. He was walking in when we were doing our, our training. He had a suitcase. And I, it was like fun, it was like fucking God coming in. You know, yeah. it was like holy Jesus. You know, and then we stopped, and then he he, he watched us for a few minutes. So the whole thing about us was about marching. Yeah. So, and he told us some advice about marching. Make sure you get our marching right because he did. He went to military school when he was a kid. So he knew he knew. He knew what he was talking about. And I remember I remember he uh, he liked my look. He liked the way I look. He liked my face, my facial expression. Mean. That was a mean. Yeah. Maybe because I was a big guy, you know. He liked my he liked my personal mean face. That was a good thing to have, at least. Although a lot of people say you're one of the nicest people in the wrestling business, I've heard uh, that multiple times. Well, of course, you know, of course, I, I treat treat people I want, I want to be treated. You know, I always treat people with respect. But uh, yeah, and then uh, and then from there, and then from there, after two weeks, they sent us down to Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Is that Lawler's territory? Or territory. Now, for more training, right? For USWA. And that didn't tell us how long we were going to be there. It just depends on how, how good or how, how you progress. Progress, right? And so it's told us maybe a month. Okay, a month. Okay, sure. And then it became, it became more than a month. It became four months. You know? So I, I, it was a lot of, it was fun. But on certain times, too, you know, we, we, we could have been let go at any time if one of us, really. Yeah. Uh, but we were working every day on the road uh, throughout the South, really. Uh, throughout Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, my God, 
Mississippi every day for armory show, gymnasium shows. A couple hundred people. A couple hundred people. You learn, though, you know. Yeah. It reminded me of Maritime. Maritime was the same way, seven days a week. That's a great way to learn. You know? Yeah. Grew up one night, we can try something else the next day. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. Like I said, stressful because away from the family for so long. Yeah. I never had time to. This is Memphis. It's so far away from the from the Brunswick. And then you're and wondering I, when the call ups coming and. Well, exactly. Didn't yeah. know. Didn't know if they were to get called up. It was, you know, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Uh, but at the end of the four months. I was going to get married, by the way. This okay. is the We're preparing to get my wife was making arrangements to get married when I was working in, in the States. And we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to let us, yeah, I was able to come home. Let's, we're kind of infighting in the office. Jim Ross and Bruce Pritchard. It's kind of a, a power struggle. Jim Ross was for us. Pritchard wasn't for us. He wasn't pushing for us. And Brett was in the middle of that. Brett wanted to, was a supporter, of course. Uh, then they decided to let us go. That basically, that's, they didn't want to go further with the truth commission. This is, you know, after four months, it's kind of disappointing. Uh, but then, uh, so we went home. I went home, basically got married the next day. The next day after I got home, uh, got married. In the middle of our honeymoon, we were in Cape Breton, in Nova Scotia. Got the call from Bruce Pritchard saying they were still interested. They were they wanted to see us again. Just give us another chance, another try, like a trial match, a dark match. They would fly us into Detroit. We were doing a TV taping, a Monday Night Raw taping in Detroit. We were a dark match there, and I had to cut short my my, my honeymoon to fly to Detroit. And this was a this was a do or die. Uh, for us, and uh, so yeah, it was pretty. Well, you did. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was it was a six-man tag? Uh, oh, okay. It wasn't wasn't on me. It was the, the Truth Commission against the three local guys. One of them was Rhino. That was not a big star at the time. Was a, a big guy though. Uh, so we did our match in front of eight thousand people. You know, that's where we. I remember going backstage. Seeing all the boys and all the you know backstage stuff you see in the TV taping was like holy crap you know how we go. Uh, did we knew what we could do, you know? So we did our, our I did my stuff, we did our match, and uh, they were happy with our match. They were happy with me. They they let Mike Halleck go because Mike Mike Halleck was the mentor back in the era. Oh yeah, it was. He was people, on people rag on him for that. Yeah, he, yeah. he was on thin ice already with the with the office, the S and P. Uh, anyway, they let him go, and they replaced him with Luke Poirier. Luke Poirier is from. <laughs> uh, uh, a guy from uh, Quebec, but he was known as. Uh, it's okay. Outside. Uh, <laughs> He was known as a, he worked in Europe a lot, you know, in Germany a lot. And so he, he, he came down with us. Good guy, very good athlete, good guy, great attitude. So we gelled a lot, you know. So that's why you got launched as a truth commission from there. So, uh, 
Oh, it's summer. Yeah, and then as you're speaking of uh, Bret Hart and then Vince McMahon, you were with the company later that year when uh, the infamous uh, Montreal screw job happened. What was the vibe? I mean, I know because I heard some of the boys like maybe didn't show up the next day and it was, uh, you know, heated behind behind the scenes. What do you remember from from that Survivor Series 97 and that time? It was um, it was a crazy it was a crazy weekend. Um, I didn't know the whole backstory to it. I, I knew Brett and Sean had some heat together, for sure. I knew they were some backstage fight throughout that months before. So I knew they had some heat. Uh, but I didn't know the whole politics of it all. I didn't, didn't know the backstory at all. Well, more, more details have come out throughout the years, you know. Well, it did. It did. But for me, I, I was, you know, even though I was part of the, the whole WWF, I was out of the loop there, for sure. Uh, but when we found out that this three days before Survivor Series, we had a big match, right? Of course. Yes. You guys started uh, the show, I think. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were first, one of the first two matches, for yeah. sure. Uh, uh, we were in Montreal somewhere. Uh, we found out that uh, Brett was going to be, has, will have his last match Sunday. His last match, and he'll go to WCW. This was completely shocked for me, for, for me and my team. I was like, oh, what? Because I thought Brett was going to have a main, a long career, was going to retire with the WWF, of course, you know. Uh, since a main big star for them. And because I know a lot of guys were leaving for WCW, but I never thought Brett would do it. And I was like, my God, what the hell's going on, Brett? And then, and then we did that, that, that day of the you know, Survivor, we were preparing, preparing a match, you know, we were focusing on our match. And then we did our stuff, did our match. Uh, I got over as the sole survivor. <laughs> and then uh, uh, afterwards, we got dressed up and we decided to stay. Usually, we leave after the match, unless they told us to. Okay. We would leave after to make sure that you get to go to the restaurant to make sure they're open before they yeah. close. <laughs> it's a long night, you know, before. Yeah, if you stay at the end of the show, it's usually everything's closed. So, but we decided for some reason to stay because I knew it was history in the making. It was going to be Brett's last match, you know. So it's, stick around. Brett, right. Brett helped me and helped yeah. us. It was a big supporter. So we wanted to say to see what you know what the whole fuss was all about. So we watched it on the on the monitors. Me and Barry became recon and watched it, and then. And in the middle of that match, I mean, everything went stopped. And it was like, that's not right. All the facial reaction, Brett's reaction, and you know, it was something wrong. It was something not planned. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at Barry, he was like, yeah, yeah, we should go. <laughs> Got that out of here before shit hits the floor. <laughs> and then uh, we went to our dressing room. Now, our dressing room, we shared it with Sean and Brett. Uh, so we went in to get our stuff, and then the agents told us to stay. For the reason, because of the past history with Sean and Brett, it was a good fight. It would Break it off if anything happens. It was like, great, get us involved. they have been between Brett. Brett, who's helped us, we want to stop Brett from, from beating up Sean. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But we had no choice. 
really, we had to stay. Yeah. Uh, so we did. We waited. And then Sean came in crying, saying he was not involved, not involved, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then, and then, not too long after, Brett comes in, very quiet, just seething, you know, angry, really quiet. Uh, asked, remember, we asking Sean if he had anything to do with it, and Sean was crying, blah blah blah, no, no, no. And then, and then Brett went to the showers afterwards, and, uh, and then, and that's when they told us to leave. I think it was all to do with the Undertaker. I just found out that the Undertaker. Uh, wanted Vince to face it was Vince, Taker was pissed off what happened yeah he wanted Vince to face uh, face Brett and then Taker basically told told all, a lot of the boys in the dressing room to leave only only the essential guys would have to stay like the agents or whatnot but we were happy to go we were happy <laughs> we wanted to go anyway so we're going to involve that uh so we went to our cars. I think I remember seeing Vince at our cars at the garage, uh, kind of looty, you know. Didn't didn't think he was punched at all, you know. Yeah. Never came to us that he was. Never imagined we get punched out. That he was kind of loopy getting with his yeah, his entourage with him. But that was weird, you know. So we got to a hotel, and that's what the boys told us that uh, what happened, you know. Oh. You got by Brett, and it was like our minds were exploding, were blowing away. Couldn't believe what was going on that night. You know, it's just surreal. And then uh, the next day, the next day was Monday Night Raw in Ottawa. And Vince gave gave his speech before uh, taping with all the boys, saying he, he had to do it for his reasons, blah blah blah, for his business. It was all for business. Yeah. And it divided a lot of the boys, for sure. You know, a lot of boys wanted to leave, and they were very angry with Vince and the whole thing. And for us, we lost our support. You know, we did lost. Brett was an advocate for you he guys. He was an and a mentor too, because I would always ask him advice, of course. You know, and he's not there anymore. It was just very, it was very strange. The next few months were very strange. That's where they they started to push me as the, as the curtain. That's where they started pushing afterwards. Uh, yeah, it was very weird times for sure. I guess, I guess it was a, a, a good time for the WWF. That's where Vince became a heel in Austin. Yeah, kind of sent it up on the boosted the yeah. attitude area into the next level. That was a very fun time to be part of, but very, very weird without Brett being there, though, how it happened, you know. So, Did yeah, you? I mean, I'm always happy that, that I was there for. <laughs> did you have a relationship with Owen? I did. I did. I wasn't close to Owen, uh, of course, but uh, I, yeah, was always friendly with Owen. Owen was friendly with me. I remember because uh, my first trial, <clears throat> this was my second trial with the WWE, first of all. That's night six, night seven. My first trial was in 91. That didn't oh, wow. go yeah, night one, that's my first year of my career. I flew into Utica, New York. I'm from team. New York, so I know where Utica is. It's not too far. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, the first time I went, this is the first time for everything for me. I got the call from, again, from Leo Burke. I think it was from Leo Burke. They, wanted, they were interested in seeing me at a taping. I was like, 
all right. I was overwhelmed, nervous, and excited. So you're a couple years in at this point then? A couple years in. And they flew me in to Utica, to Syracuse, first of all. It's Syracuse, and then drove to Utica. Uh, everything was new to me. First time in the U.S., first time on a plane. You know, everything was like, holy Christ, fresh out of water time. You know? And then we went to the airport. Uh, one month, yeah, when they flew into the airport, they were waiting for Owen. Owen came from Europe. We were working in Europe. And so they picked us up together. So that's the first time I met Owen. Oh, okay. Which was very cool. You know, first time they made a WWF star <laughs> at the time. Yeah, good guys, you know, it was great. We talked on the, on the bus, on the, on, the, on the van, and then going to the building. And that's where I met everybody. I remember meeting everybody there, all the big names. Taker was there. Yeah, 91, right? So Everybody was there. Hogan, maybe. He was there with the company. I didn't, I didn't see there. I didn't see him there. Yeah, he had a funky schedule there in the early 90s. I saw Flair. I saw uh, Piper. I saw Brett for the first time. I saw John Tenta Earthquake, of course. Was Who you worked with. With your partner. I remember chatting with John Tenta, talking to him there. And then five years later, I'm his partner. This is kind of cool. Wait, was, so, Tenta, was Tenta happy with the Golga gimmick? Not to get off topic, but... Uh, it wasn't at first, no. Kind of both in the same boat. Pascal, he wasn't happy with that. He made it work, though. He made it get over with the, the whole doll thing. Yeah. He lost a lot of weight, though, you know, for it. He looked, he was in good shape, you know. And great guy to be with, you know. Hot-tempered. He could... Oh, my God. I got a story. Uh, I know you wanted to ask for Owen. The Owen, uh, remind me about Tenta. But uh, Owen, no, so Owen, we were on the, I remember being on the road with Owen. Uh, he had to have a drive. He lost his drive for some reason. Uh, so Owen catch a ride with us, me and Don Carlos. So I was driving. No, he was driving because he was nervous about my driving, Owen. He heard some stories that <laughs> so he was driving and I was in the back seat and uh, three hour drive talking about the business talking about life you know it was very cool you know, it was good very cool guy and I saw him the last time I saw him was at WrestleMania for WrestleMania 15 uh, in Philadelphia uh, uh, last time I saw him there was at a party talking. And then two months later, you know, it happened. I was in Mexico. This word is when they sent us down to Mexico after the oddities. I was in Mexico City when I got the call in the hotel from my wife in the middle of the night. This is you know unusual. She called. It was just telling me the news, and I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I couldn't believe her at all. Until the next day, when I went to uh, uh, the newsstands, because I didn't have access to the internet. Yeah, it was pre ninety nine. Ninety nine, right? Very pre. Uh, I, I saw the newspaper. You know, the the article on heart dead. And then that's where it really hit me. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it was it's, even now, even even today, you know, it's still a shock. You know, especially when you got the uh, the whole dark side of the, the ring. Yeah. You know, document and all that. And it's, it brings me brings back memories of it all. And it was very. It's very, very it was, it was very hard for me not to be there as well because I was in Mexico when it, <clears throat> when they did their tribute show. 
<coughs> the next day on Raw. I would, I would, <coughs> I would love to, I would love to be there. You know, I couldn't, of course, I was down in, in another country, but uh, I would have loved to be in the funeral as well. Stuff I couldn't do at the time, but I felt terrible for the for everybody, for the family. It was, you know, it should not never happen at all. It should never happen, especially a guy wasn't a high risk wrestler at all. He was a careful guy, very professional, beloved guy, and, and then so shocking what happened to him. So yeah, the whole this, the whole thing it changed wrestling. I think, of course, sure. yeah. So, uh, but no, talking about Tenta, uh, he had a short temper sometimes. When you get pissed off, you can tell. You can well, he was like a real sumo wrestler at one point, right? Trained as a sumo wrestler. He didn't yeah. like it, and he left. There's a lot of politics in Japan, but uh, <laughs> he had a. Being disrespectful is, is, is you shouldn't disrespect them at all. And then, then that's where he gets mad. Uh, we were working, we were kind of a program with Too Cool, you know, Brian Christopher. Yeah, uh, Brian Christopher and Scotty Cicotti. But it's, you say, I, people say program, I say married. We were married to them for a long time. This is fun. It was fun to work with. That's fun guys to work with. You know? Yeah. Big guys, small guys. I, it was tough. But we were, we were TV taping somewhere, I forget where, talking backstage about our construction uh, or match and talking about what stuff I wanted to do with, you know, the little high spots, blah, blah, blah. And then when it came to John, Brian Christopher kind of stuffed him. But basically, oh, we'll figure, we'll figure it out in the ring. John on the ring. To, yeah, on the ring. John wanted to do some, some stuff he wanted to do with him. But, Christopher kind of rubbed them off. Nah, we'll, we'll do it in the ring. Don't do that. Off. Because John is not, uh, John has a history in the WWF with Hogan. He worked with Hogan. Yeah. Right? Main events. Main events. Yeah. Main events. And uh, so he disrespected that just as a local jobber type, you know, and he pissed him off. He, he yelled, he, I remember yelling, when John gets mad, you, but you see Earthquake gets mad, yelling Earthquake, he goes his pummels, well, he goes like that. <laughs> it's like a volcano erupting, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that scared the shit out of uh, Brian Christopher. You know? uh, scared Scott as well, his tail. <laughs> and he wanted, he wanted, and everybody knew about it, of course. Uh, even Jim Ross, who was the head of town, Came to Christopher said, came to Christopher said, what did you do? What? <laughs> like he's not the guy to piss off, man. Exactly. He went to hurt. You think people was going to, always thought he was going to hurt Christopher in the ring, you know? And I, I didn't, I didn't know what the hell was going on either. I just didn't say anything at all. When it came to the match, all the stuff I wanted to do, basically it was all John in the ring. He just basically, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have a chance to do my stuff. Just I, basically, he's, I, yeah, he tags me, he tags me out. He goes, he was in, and he just he didn't give anything. He didn't hurt. He didn't. Hurt yeah. But didn't give Brian anything at all. Didn't let he, him get a shit in. Just basically dished the shit on him. You know, <laughs> didn't give. And then the big finish. I think they went over. But uh, yeah, that was it. It was a curtain sell. So all the boys were watching back to see if it was something to go. Yeah. Good.
because they knew yeah. the heat, the real heat backstage. So maybe. Christopher was, was scared shitless for sure. You know, so. And it was like that traffic and traffic wise. So it was bad traffic you know, on the interstates at the time going to a show. And we got stuck in gridlock in construction in the, in the interstate. And this, I remember driving the car behind a bunch of kids doing, you know, making fun of us or something, giving us the finger. And John got seething, seething hot. <laughs> and, then, and then one time, one time where the car was behind us, he came beside us during traffic. So we were basically side to side, you know, and then both of us rolled out the window. The guys, those kids thought they were going to terrify us. And then they realized we were two big guys. In the big, car. huge dudes. And John gave them a promo, you know, basically an earthquake promo. <laughs> And then, yeah, we're gonna tear your head up and shit down your throat. I was like, oh my god! And the guy was like, they rolled back the window <laughs> up. <laughs> that's funny. Like, that's hilarious. But yeah, it was a great partner to have. You know, you know had a good heart. You know, very intense. But sometimes he would argue with his wife. It would, it would, it would yell, are you match, and it was, he was had to stay out of the room. <laughs> Out of the hotel room, and say, okay, I'll go away and make sure you calm down when you get back. Um, but anyway, it was a missed time because, yeah, he passed away. He was a great guy to be with, and he loved his family. Yeah, uh, Tenta, John Tenta, unfortunately, he passed away. But are there any wrestlers from that era or that, that you keep in touch with nowadays? Um, uh, I somewhat do. It's hard though because we're so we're so far apart. I mean, still keep in touch on Twitter, yeah, Facebook or Instagram, I guess. But uh, mostly with Adam Copeland. Oh, Edge, yeah, Edge. Uh, he's a Canadian guy, right? Sure. Well, we worked on the road a lot when you when you first started. We worked. We were on the road together. You know, on a carpool, anyways, uh, the Canadian click. So we get to know Ed, Adam. A lot, and then, and then uh, I got had a chance to work with him on Haven, the TV series Haven. Oh yeah, the, um, I saw that. Well, he was a, a, one of the regulars on the show, to the chef, and uh, I had a recurring role because that was all shot in Halifax, which is three hours away. And it, I got a part in it where I had a recurring role, and and it was a, there's a scene where there's a fight scene between his character and my character. Basically, the scene is where he tackles me down. He's like, tackle? Interesting. Yeah, he, he knows how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember we were rehearsing the fight, rehearsing the fight before filming. Uh, uh, stunt, stunt coordinator. And the stunt coordinator didn't really have to be there, basically, because we knew each other so well from wrestling. Yeah. You know, we know how to do it. We, we got this. We got this. Well, what's, what's great though is we had mats, you know, big thick mats compared to wrestling, which we don't have mats. Here we have mats where you can cheat at least, you know. But I took his spear like a pro, you know. I took the bump for him. It was fun. It was fun to be to to reunite and work with him. You know, um, um, then he just came back from wrestling. Yeah, yeah he had to come back. Which was crazy, you know, at, at, at our age, but. He's determined. He's a fighter, you know. He's a, 
is, is, is focus. You know, he's a good motivated guy. He, he loves what he's doing. And I, I hope he stays. I hope he stays healthy. I know he, he tore his vice, his tricep in his last match, perfectly match. But uh, but yeah, he's a great guy. Good heart. You know. Do you uh, have the network and keep up with the product? I I somewhat have the network. I'm not, I don't get the whole thing. I can watch older stuff. Oh yeah. I don't follow the current stuff. Same here. Yeah. I only like the older stuff. I like the older pay-per-views, older matches. So especially now when you can see a crowd. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I, I like to watch that era there. I was part of the era that I grew up watching as well. Yeah. Uh, but not the current. I'm aware of the current stuff. Some, some, check the channel. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I don't watch it now because... Yeah, I don't it's weird that. without a crowd and it's just like it looks um i think the crowd plays so much you know and the crowd plays such a huge role in, in the, the portrayal and for the wrestlers themselves you're missing the fourth wheel fourth wheel is the crowd so you're missing out so it's, it is bizarre uh what i do watch i'm more of a fan of baseball actually oh i i, I played baseball in college so i'm a big Me baseball too. fan yeah i was a fan I was a casual fan over the years. Not a big fan, you know. I understood baseball because I played it in high school. Yeah. Little, you know, junior school. You know, so I understood baseball. You know, I played catch with my best friend. You yeah. know, I thought it was cool if you can bat a ball far. You know, it's always awesome. It was yeah. cool. So strength, you know. So I, 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 the longest since I was a kid, I understood baseball. Of course, hockey was always involved watching hockey. But I always respected baseball. And of course, when the Jays won. Uh, Joe Carter. Carter, 93. Yeah. 93. Yeah. It was exciting, you know? My dad was a big fan of baseball, the Expos and then the, the Jays. So, yeah, baseball was always part, but never followed, never was a big follower of sports itself, hockey or baseball, football. Never followed. <laughs> then a couple of years ago, I was in Toronto. I shoot a lot of Toronto. And then we had a couple of days off. And then the, well, the driver I was with, uh, he dropped me off at the hotel and said, well, you should go go catch a game. The Jays are in uh, are in Rogers town. Center, right? What's this five-minute walk from the hotel? Said, sure. I thought in my mind, it's expensive to watch a game, which it could be if you watch, depending on the seats or things. But you can watch a game for 30 bucks on the, on the, bleeding, <laughs> on the bleeding section, nosebleed section. I thought, oh, that's a good idea. What else? Watching a live ball game. This yeah. is cool. Sure. So I went and I, I, I got into the whole thing. I got into the whole story, the drama, the whole. I got into it. I got hooked. Yeah. I wanted more. And then I, the MLB channel. I My wife was like shaking her head, like, what the hell are you doing? What happened? <laughs> I was starting to be a baseball fan. And then, of course, you can't, there's no. Back home, here in Moncton area, there's the local baseball. So that's the only baseball I could find. Local baseball I could find to go watch live, you know, when you're not in Toronto. So I try to catch, catch baseballs anywhere, everywhere. So I watch every time I had an opportunity to go see, to go to Toronto, and to were in town, I would go see the ball game. I watched like eight, nine times. That's see awesome. The it's awesome. Watch a lot. It's fun. It's, baseball's fun. It's just fun to watch. And. and uh, it might be. It should be coming back here in a few weeks. They, well, it, it, yeah, it was, it's cool and weird. 
Yeah, we're not no fans again. No fans, but it's, at least it's something. At least it's baseball. At least baseball's coming back. If everybody stays healthy, it, it, I mean, it'd be weird a short, shortened season because it is boring in the summer. In spring and summer, it was very, of course, with the virus. Yeah. But no baseball is, is super boring. <laughs> oh, throughout the summer, it's like the soundtrack to your summer. It's, there's a game on every night. You can count on it. Yeah. I know. I was used to like last summer, you know, it was a ball game all whoever was playing. It was just, especially if it was the Jays. So just family. on. Yeah. It's nice. a great way to have a drink and watch a game. Now it's missing that summer. It's, it's like but uh, so Raw was, it's funny, Raw was uh, in Toronto. This is last summer. Last summer, Raw was uh, doing the Raw taping at the uh, Scotiabank. And then the, the ball game was with the Rogers at the same time. And, uh, and one of the fans uh, comment on Facebook or something, why didn't you go to see Monday Night Raw? Right. That's First of all, I'm not going to pay, pay to get into <laughs> Been there, done that. I mean, yeah. yeah, baseball. I'm more of a fan of baseball than, than, than God. But uh, yeah, they have it. It's weird, though. I'm, I'm happy, like I said, I'm, I'm happy I started 30 years ago. If I would start wrestling now, start my career, that would be a, a big issue. It's, for indie wrestling, it's, 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 it's terrible for them because there's no wrestling going on. Nothing. Like, it's kind of monopolized now, there's no territory system. It's uh, yeah. indies, and you gotta get called up to NXT, or else you're gonna be, yeah. uh, you know. In the part, in the Maritimes right now, it's restarting. There's some couple of great like, from you know, in the indie wrestling. There's some great potential as wrestlers. There's some great wrestlers, great great workers. Uh, they're not. It's a bit different when when I first started. They're, they're wrestling two two three times a month compared to us. We were six seven two, days. During the summer, of course. Yeah. We never worked in the winter, but they, they do shows during the winter at the Zinos or gymnasiums. Uh, but it's a bit different when I first started, for sure. But it's a great potential. It's a great, it's a great athletes here in the Maritimes. And people are craving for wrestling in the Maritimes. They love, they love wrestling. And, but Indian wrestling is suffering. Like many artists do during the, the pandemic. There's nothing much, you know, you can't make a living out of Indian wrestling. Unless you work at WWF, which you can afford to do it. Yeah. You know, especially your essential. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it is tough for everybody. It is, it's, it short, I'm sure wrestling is suffering. You know, I hope it, it will survive when it comes back. I hope to, you know, it gets back to normal. Hopefully it will be back. Because, yeah, there is, there is a huge fan base in many times. You know, it's, it's a great way to start. You know, that's where I got my start here. So, uh, what's next for you? Have any auditions lined up, or? Well, I did an audition a month ago for a film. Uh, it's supposed to be filming at the end, the end of the year, it's, you know, November. It's kind of no one really is weird right now. Yeah, well, it's for a, would be filmed in Europe somewhere, Romania or Spain, which is cool. But at the same time, is it going to happen? Yeah. You know, a lot of uncertainties, you know. So it is nice to, it's cool to do an audition. It's exciting because it's my only audition I did so far this year. You know? So if it's going to happen, that's cool. It's not. I mean, it's, well, how bad is it going to get? I mean, I know we're recovering or getting better in Canada. Yeah. 
but it could change in the fall with the second wave. Who knows, right? Yeah, it's up it's in the air. Up in the air. <clears throat> and everything's on hold, all production's on hold here in, in Canada. I know they're trying to reopen productions in Toronto, certain shows with, with, with uh, restrictions. So for me, I'm, out, I'm outside of the province, you know, so you usually find me in, you know, but for this, it could be an issue playing me in too, you know? Yeah. Do I quarantine myself for two weeks before shooting? So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to film anything this year. <laughs> so it, would, I, it would be great if we can just get a vaccine and call it a day and, you know. If it tomorrow, I'll call it <laughs> That would be great. Oh, it's right. You can get a vaccine next year. Or, I don't know. It's, it's weird. To, I was hoping, I just turned 50 last fall, right? Yeah. Big stone. And hoping to get more work, get work uh, this year. Like Becky, Becky was great. I did a lot of yeah. stuff. I made this summer, this year, something on Netflix, episodic stuff for Netflix. Uh, so I was hoping to get more work out of it. You know, to get the momentum going. And then, you know, boom. Boom. Yeah. Got a big wall. Try to figure out how to get around the wall. Yeah. No, it's, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. But. It's not the end of the world, you know, they're all fine work. Just, you have your health and... You know, I have my health. My family's healthy. Yeah. yeah. That's all that matters, really. We'll get I through live, it. We're, I'm, I, I don't live in a small... Like in, some people are stuck in the city in the small condos and apartments. Not, they can't move around. Uh, I live in a rural area. You know, uh, I, live, I have 20 acres of land around me, so... In the spring, there's no issue taking a walk and getting some fresh air. Now, I bike, I, I bicycle a lot. Late, mm. Last few weeks, I got my mountain bike and I bike around the back roads. A lot of space and a lot of distancing from people. You know, so there's no issue there. So at least, at least you can clear your mind. You know, plus I'm not trapped like some people are, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rob. Where can everyone find you at? And uh, I follow you on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, well, Instagram is under my name, I guess. Rather than, uh, I know it's my hashtag at Mayaz underscore Robert, something like that. There you go. You find my name and you can find it there. And then uh, Facebook, I have my fan page, and then on Twitter as well, under my name. So. Yeah. Well, the, the movie was great, and uh, I know that you're you'll the next project will be as well so thank you thank you i mean uh, every film that i do every work i do gives me a uh, a jolt to the to my confidence you know what i mean yeah. I, knew, I knew i could do it i knew i can do it and to prove to other people to my friends and family or to other fans that i could i can do it i can do play a role or i can dramatic role I can play the, the complicated character you know? so it's nice to get positive feedback, you know. And I'm happy the movie is doing well, too. It's the, I saw that, it's, it was on Forbes, Forbes uh, website, uh, that Becky, in another horror film, I forget, The Rich, The Rich, a horror film, Becky, by default, will be number one this summer. Because all the, the big movies are out. So it's just, it's, it's cool you know it's very neat to be part of something that, yeah you can uh, find it everywhere i found it on apple tv uh it was, it was seven bucks and it was totally worth it so 
Yeah. Everyone that's watching that's gonna watch this, make sure to watch it because it's it's it's, it's awesome. I thought of it like it was like a gory version of Home Alone. From it is. That's how they think. That's how they pitched it. You know, uh, I think more of a bit of a bit of a diehard involved. Too, too. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Rob. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming on, and we'll best definitely uh, be in touch. All right. You please do. Stay, stay healthy. Thank you, you too. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, it was a great interview with Rob. Uh, he was real generous this time. Um, and thank you for all your support. Uh, if you want to show even more support, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all our videos on there. We've been doing Zoom calls so you can see the, uh, the guests talking. Also, we have a Fanatics link in the show notes. Anything you buy, we'll get a small commission. Uh, that'll definitely help us continue growing. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Uh, Stay safe out there, and thanks for listening.